0: And we're turning to God's word now uh, this morning and we're going to read of an encounter uh, that one particular uh, lame, um, one disabled man had with this life-giving uh, God who comes to rescue. And we're reading from John chapter, five, uh, John chapter 5, and it's on page 1068 of the Bibles under the seat in front of you, if you'd like to, to follow along. Uh, from John chapter 5, and it's, uh, the, the, the little reading is entitled, The Healing at the Pool. Um, and this is God's word uh, to us this morning sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades here a great number of disabled people used to lie the blind, the lame, the paralysed At once at once the man was cured he picked up his mat and walked the day on which this took place was a sabbath and so the jews said to the man who had been healed it is the sabbath the law forbids the law forbids you to carry your mat but he replied the man who made me well said to me pick up your mat and walk so they asked him who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk The man who was healed had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Amen. amen. And we know that God blesses the reading of his word. we 're on our fourth week now of uh, of our Paraclesis uh, course, uh, and the, the title for today is "Choose Life in the, four, the fourth week of this Paraclesis coming alongside course uh, and we 've looked already at caring at loving and at journeying and today, with the help of uh, the Paraclesis material we 're going to be looking at this whole idea of life and, and how we can make good life choices together. Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19 God said I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses now choose life in, in 1 Thessalonians 2 and 11 Paul writes uh, uh, sorry and, and we looked at paraklesis and we found that that means to come alongside and one of the related word is, is paracleo, and paracleo is to exhort or exhortation. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, 11, Paul writes, like a father with his children, we exhorted, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to lead a life worthy of God. So as we come alongside and walk together, there are times and we'll want to help one another to find some direction and some guidance in our lives and to make the right choices as we travel on the road together for we want to make the right decisions for life as a journey, but with the choices that we make, determine not just our journey, but our destination. And you see, exhortation, well, it's not about telling someone else what has to be done, but, but it's, about, it's about, first of all, encouraging and, and affirming before we then may offer words of guidance or wisdom. Biblical exhortation is to bring clear spiritual direction, to bring guidance and understanding direction that is focused in in developing wise life choices that shapes behavior patterns and and life outcomes. And you see, in order to live a life worthy of our calling, as Paul exhorts us, we need to understand that that Jesus uses three different words when he speaks of life. He speaks of of bios, the Greek word bios, which is external life, suke, which is internal life, and zoe, which is eternal life. A little bit like we looked at the, the different words for love a while back. These are different words for life that, that Jesus uses. And Jesus has something to say on each of these uh, areas of life. By us, external life, our outer world, the world around us. For instance, in Luke at 14, Jesus says, The seed that fell among thorns, this is when he's talking about the parable of the sower, the seed that fell among thorns are those who, when they've heard, go out and are choked with the cares, riches, and pleasures of life by us. Life. Here it's referring to everyday life and life around us, how those anxieties and stresses, even those cares and pleasures of life around us, can drag us down. Bios is external life. The second life word life word that Jesus uses is suke. And and from that we get that that word for you know psychologist, psychiatry. So suke, our in, our internal life, our inner world, our thoughts and our attitudes. Luke nine twenty four. Jesus says, Whoever desires to save his life, suke, will lose it. But whoever loses his life, for my sake, will save it. Our suke is our internal lives, our inner selves, our thoughts, our feelings, thoughts and attitudes that ultimately inform our choices, our actions, and the lifestyle that we live. And the third life word that Jesus used was zoe. Zoe, that's eternal life, our spiritual life, our God life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Zoe. And Zoe is the life word that Jesus uses most often, and Zoe is God's kind of life. It's not that external bios life, and it's not the internal suke life, but it's spiritual life. It's life in all its fullness, even life eternal. It's the kind of life that can only be found in God and when we're connected to him. It's the very life of God Himself from which all life springs. In John 1 4, in Him was life, Zoe, and that life, Zoe, was the light of men. Or John 10 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life, Zoe, and have it to the full. Paraclesis is about journeying alongside one another, to find guidance as we each have choices to make in all three of these areas of life. So we turn now to the passage that we read earlier, the story about the man by the pool of Bethesda. John 5 and 5 tells us that this man was, he had been an invalid for 38 years there. So what can we learn from this encounter, from his encounter with Jesus, that might help us to make better life choices as we go forward? Well, we see that on this particular Sabbath day that Jesus was up in Jerusalem. Jesus may have been coming or going to the temple for the sheep gate is close by to the temple and it is next to the pool of Bethesda. And you see at that time it was believed by the people that from time to time an angel would come down and stir the waters at the pool of Bethesda and it was believed that if an angel stirred the waters the first person to get down into the water would be healed. That was the tradition, the belief at that time. So as we uh, seek to live life to the full, to the glory of God, let's see what we can learn from this man's external life, his internal life, and his encounter with the one who gives eternal life. You see, Jesus may have been coming or going to worship that day, but at this point, Jesus decides to do church outside the walls. And there are eight main gates that lead into the city through which the people would come and go. But, you know, this, it's, this gate is not one of them. This was the sheep gate. This was the gate that the sheep went in and out through. Some going to temple for sacrifice, some going to market. Lots of sheep passing back and forward. I see, I reckon that this man's outer world, his bios was a pretty busy and unpleasant place. Thousands of smelly sheep, being driven up and down this street, past this man every day. Now, I, I've lived in the country. I've, I've worked on farms. I know that where you have animals, you have lots of other stuff. <laughs> it, it's stuff that makes grass grow really well, but you don't want to be lying in or anywhere near. So there's lots of sheep, lots of stuff, other stuff, and not only lots of animals, but there's lots of people as well. It says here in verse 3 that there's a great number of disabled people. It says the blind, the lame, paralyzed. And there they were sheltering under the five covered colonnades to try to avoid the the blistering heat of the Middle Eastern sun. Lots of people, lots of animals, lots of noise, heat, foul smell and other stuff. This man's outer life was, was a busy, uncomfortable and unpleasant place. It was also an uncertain and competitive place. If Things could change at any minute. Will an angel come down today? Will the waters be stirred? Will there be someone to help me in? Will I make it there first? Will my circumstances change? This man had this underlying uncertainty, anxiety and competition with others. And every day as this great number of people waited for the waters to stir. And if there was any movement, there would be a stampede to get in every man for himself, a daily battle not to lose your place in the queue as well and this chance for healing. And this man had lived in this environment for 38 years. 38 years surrounded by misery, uncertainty, competition. And every day this man hoped that today might be his day. Every day he hoped that the waters would be stirred, that he would reach them, that he would be healed. And every day he was bitterly disappointed. You see, this pool of Bethesda had become his pool of disappointment. Is this a picture of life for some today? You see, I think actually for many people maybe it is. We see people today lying by by the lottery pool, the promotion pool, the relationship pool, hoping that the water will stir and they'll get in. We see people living in busy and unpleasant environments and hoping to get get into whatever pool it is that they're lying beside, but it never happens. In fact, you may even be lying by a pool of your own and, and feeling trapped in an uncertain and uncomfortable place. we can be weighed down by the burden of busyness. We live in a busy world. We're all trying to spin so many plates at once. So many demands from us, so many demands from family, friends, work, so many things to do, people to meet, places to go, tax, emails, phone calls, all to be answered. There's never enough time in the day. And so we're so often sometimes consumed by our own busyness that we struggle to get alongside others to help. And we each have important decisions to make around the busyness of our own lives and how we manage that. But we all struggle with this one. And we face the burden of busyness and we also face the challenges of choice. So on the day in question, Jesus is on his way into Jerusalem. He comes across this man who's been suffering for 38 years, lying by the pool of disappointment, surrounded by busyness. And you know, you would think that that on coming across this disabled man, Jesus might heal him either by praying for him or helping him down into the pool. But Jesus doesn't do either of these things. No, you see, Jesus starts by asking the man a question. And he gives the man a choice. Jesus asks him, "Do you want to be healed? Do you want to get well?" You see, Jesus sees this man's outer life as busy, filthy, unpleasant environment, but Jesus speaks to the man's inner life. And it was a simple yes or no question. Do you want to be healed? Do you want your circumstances to be changed? And after lying there disabled for 38 years, well, you would have expected that this man would have immediately answered with a resounding yes. Yes. But the man doesn't respond like that at all. You see, it seems that he's been in this situation for so long and he's been disappointed so many times before that he's now held captive. He's held captive by both his inner and his outer world. You see, in this man's inner world, it appears that, it appears that in his psyche or his suke, he was held captive by self-pity. John 5 and 7, he says, Sir, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. In other words, he was saying, No one understands me. I'm waiting for the waters to stir. When they do, I have no one to help me in. I have no friends. I'm in this all alone. The man's feeling sorry for himself, and he's even willing to blame others. For his situation. Not only is he filled with, with self pity, but he, he, he had given up and become passive. He said, When I'm trying to get in, someone else gets down ahead of me. So he sort of resigned himself to no change. Others are quicker, they're always going to get down there before me. And this man has accepted his unhappy lot. He's, he's hit the pause button of life and he's in, stuck in this freeze frame. It looks too like this man, had, he's perhaps settled for a victim mentality. You see, instead of responding with a positive yes, the man responds to Jesus with two negatives. I have no one to help me into the pool. And someone else always gets there first. You see, with, with a victim mentality, we can look for reasons for why things aren't working out for us. We might say I'm a victim of circumstances, someone did these nasty things to me, or I have this illness or this situation, I have no control over anything, I'm a victim, I'm a victim of circumstances. And sometimes as we journey alongside others, we, we see that they have developed a victim mentality, maybe even we have. And this be, can be because of our circumstances, because they've been a particular way for so long that we've actually let them define us and who we are, and we think that is a victim. but by coming alongside one another as we struggle with these things. We can do what Jesus did for that man that day. We can bring some hope and some healing. We can bring some pr- perspective, some direction, some encouragement to one another. And when Jesus meets this man, when Jesus meets him, we see that Jesus issues this clear directive to change. Jesus doesn't walk away or walk by. He exhorts the man with a clear directive. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, And walk. And right there and then you see the man has a choice to make. And he chooses life. He chooses life and he gets up and he picks up his mat and he walks. Jesus did his bit. But the man still had to do his bit. Jesus had healed the man, but the man still had to get up, pick up his mat, and to walk. Jesus had set him free, but the man still had to step up out of those chains that, he, that had been holding him. And the man did. He chose life. And you see, this may be a challenge that many people face today. We need to come alongside one another so we can help one another to choose life, to get up, to walk, to step up out of the, those chains and be free from the things that would, that would hold us captive. And Paraclesis is about that. It's about helping one another to move on, to journey on, through the difficult times together, through the difficult situations, to choose life and to respond to the Lord, the giver of life. So what can we say about choice as we move on? Well, number one, we don't always get to choose what happens in life. We, We don't. Sometimes now, maybe perhaps we do bring certain difficulties on ourselves by our own words or our actions, and we need to accept that responsibility. But other times, we find ourselves in difficult situations, unpleasant circumstances that have nothing to do with our own choices. Some things we have no control over. We didn't choose our parents. We didn't choose how someone hurt us. We didn't choose our illness, our unemployment, or whatever it may be. Sometimes stuff happens that we don't choose, and we have no control over that. However, however, we do have the freedom to choose what we do with it. We do have the freedom to choose how we respond to things. We have the to realize the reality of the situation and to take responsibility for how we're going to deal with it. We may not have chosen what has happened, but we do get to choose how we react to it. So perhaps we do find ourselves with half a glass of water. But is a glass half empty or glass half full? We get to make that choice. And thirdly, life is a series of choices. We make loads of choices every single day. And these choices shape our lives and they define who we are. We have lots of choices to make, and most of us choose what to eat, what to wear, the jobs we do, the relationships we're in, the the words we use, the behaviour we display. And you know, the thing is, we can evaluate our choices, and if we've made bad choices, then we can start to make better choices and take our lives in a better direction. Fourthly, we are responsible for our choices. The key is in taking control of our choices. We can choose life today. We don't have to continue doing the same old thing. The same old, same old. As someone said, if we continue doing the same thing that we've always done, then we'll continue to get the same thing that we've always got. But we don't have to do that. Today we can come to the one who offers life, newness of life, the one who is the giver of life. You see, no matter what our circumstances of our outer bios life or our suke inner life, we can draw on God's abundant supply of zoe life. We can let God's life, God's zoe life meet us at the point of choosing. And we can live in the power of the Spirit, transformed by the Spirit and not shaped by worldly thoughts or the physical environment around us. Fifthly, choices are always consequential. We know that there are always consequences to the choices that we make. The choices we make today will impact our tomorrow. We have to choose between, uh, if we choose certain behavior then we have certain consequences of that behavior. But we are all only human. We all make mistakes. We have all made bad decisions in the past at some time or another. Sometimes we need to come alongside a brother or a sister who's suffering from the consequences of a bad decision they've made and to help one another find forgiveness and healing, to find wisdom and direction as we journey together. And then the feeling of no choice is not the loss of real choice. We may feel like we have no choice in some area, but it, it's not, that is not to remove all real choice. We maybe just perhaps need someone to come alongside us to help us get some perspective, to help us explore what the real choices are that we do have, to boost our confidence in choosing in areas that we feel that we don't maybe have much choice. Because feeling that we have no choice will produce that victim mentality. Realizing that we have some choice that we are capable of choosing, well, that will help us to see things with a different attitude and can help to set us free. And finally, seventh here, we can choose to live God's kind of life. You see, Jesus gives this man at the sheep, get some further direction. Because not only does Jesus exhort him to get up, pick up his mat and walk, but also to change direction. Verse 5 tells us that later Jesus found the man at the temple. And Jesus said to him, see you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. We don't know what had caused this man's disability. And disability, of course, can be caused by all sorts of of different reasons and different things. And often things that are through absolutely no fault of our own. We don't know what happened caused this man's disability. But what Jesus says here would suggest that perhaps this man had been disabled because of a wrong choice. Basically, Jesus says here, I have called you to choose. Now you have chosen the right, you have made the right choice. Now continue to make the right choices. Continue to choose the God way of life. And just as I finish, you see that folks is the wonderful good news of the gospel. No matter what is disabling or or holding us back this morning, no matter what pool of disappointment that we may be languishing beside, the one who is the life, the one who is the giver of life, the one who gives life in all its fullness and even life eternal. He's here with us this morning. You came down to rescue. Lead us out of death. And he comes and he comes and he comes by his spirit and his word and his people. And he's drawing alongside us this morning. And he's exhorting us to get up and walk. He exhorts us to make that choice to step up out of whatever chains of circumstance or attitude, whatever external or internal chains have been holding us captive. He exhorts us to choose life, to get up and walk and to live a life worthy of God. And God said, I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, therefore choose life. Shall we pray together for a moment? There are some people here this morning, and and you have chosen life, and, and you have made good life choices, and you are walking with the Lord, and you are walking free. Praise God. But I'm feeling that there's also some people here this morning who are feeling... At least a little bit like this man at the pool of Bethesda near the Sheep Gate. You're feeling disabled by something, paralysed by something. That's something. It may be a bad decision that you made in the past. It may be sin, guilt, or shame over something that you've said or done that you shouldn't have, or something that you should have said or done but didn't. You might be feeling paralysed by worry or anxiety or or uncertainty. You may be feeling paralyzed by some other spiritual, emotional or physical issue. You may simply have that hole that can't be filled until you come to Jesus. You maybe haven't said yes to him yet. But I don't know what it is, but this morning you're near the sheep gate. You're lying by your own pool of Bethesda and it isn't a nice place. And you may just have arrived there or you may be lying there sometime now, even for 38 years, held captive, languishing by this pool of disappointment. But today, well, today Jesus has come to town. Jesus has come to town and he has come in through the sheep gate for he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he sees you there in your pain and he has come to you Right now, by his spirit, his word, and his people, Jesus has come alongside you. And he's asking you now, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Well, you can give him your answer. And as you give him your answer, well, this wonderful transaction is about to take place. For as he asks you to give him your answer, he also asks you to give him whatever it is that is holding you down. He asks you to give him your bad decisions, your sin, your guilt, your shame, your anxieties, your concerns, your worries, your uncertainties, the lot. So you can give them to him now. And As you give them to him Jesus gives you something in return He gives you his amazing grace He gives you love And he gives you life And as he does so He looks you straight in the eye And he says now get up Take up your mat And walk Father God, we give you thanks for Jesus. We thank you that by his death and resurrection, by his unending love and amazing grace, we can be set free. Set free to live life in all its fullness. And as we get up and walk from our meeting with you here this morning, may we continue to choose life and to live lives that are worthy of you, the giver of life. We pray this with thanksgiving in the name of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, and for your glory alone. Amen. Amen. Amen.